0: You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Yes, you are. Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of, of the district. <laughs> Forget it. I've already said it once. It's, you know, it was in the intro, wasn't it? Do I have to say
1: it again? You're switching up the intro, so I think you're like, you know. I, it's thrown me yeah, off, but I think the of
0: questioning it. Of it. this is Sherwood Park District Soccer Association's. Soccer talk in the park, yes. I'm joined by... Sean Lothar. Yeah, Sean Lothar, wow. <laughs> well, that was a bit of a scream there, brother. But well, I've been
2: told I'm not talking loud enough during no, these podcasts, no, no, so that's... I thought I'd
0: notch it up a level. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, it was just easier for me to, to redirect things in the editing. All, all of a sudden, we've got this... Anyways, that's great. Antigo Vendor. How's it
1: going? How are you? Uh, okay. Absent
0: good. today is uh, Dan O'Drummond, who's, um, who's absent.
3: he's mailed
1: mailed it in for the week well done Sherlock
0: (laughs) um he joined us from home uh, the last time but uh, there was a bit of a technical issue with him being able to hear the callers and uh, well caller we had a special guest on last week or last episode Carl Valentine this week special guest goalkeeper extraordinaire former national team goalkeeper now national team goalkeeper coach Paul Dolan will be joining us a little bit later. Oh. Wow. Yeah, Vancouver 86ers. He was the first my first endeavor into coaching at the pro level was him. He, it was it was working with him and, and another goalkeeper named Paul Shepard, uh, young lad, uh, originally from Scotland but ended up playing for the Vancouver 86ers. And I think he had a stint with some of the the younger Canadian national teams as well. But um, do you remember the name at all? Yeah, I do.
2: I do remember the name. And actually, Paul Dolan was a good goalkeeper when I played with him. And then he met you. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's nothing like Any a vote chance. of confidence from the technical director of the club. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Oh,
0: man. Um, so, so yeah. So, Paul will be joining us a little bit later. We'll talk a little bit about his career, what he's been doing, what he's been up to. Um, for those of you that, you know, I've had the opportunity to see some of the broadcasts. But the bulk of the things he's been doing has been on radio, but he's become a, a bit of a color commentary guy for the MLS and both, I believe, both TSN and Sportsnet um, he's worked with. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well, we'll just chat with him and see how he's uh, doing and how he's feeling. Um, we'll kick things off just talking a bit about club stuff. In particular, um, we're obviously in the middle of, of, of the, another shutdown here, another lockdown COVID-wise. And um, we're trying to get back to doing um, video um, video training sessions. And putting together some sessions that uh, players can follow along with, coaches can follow along with, just ways of uh, staying engaged with their teams. You wanna, you wanna touch this?
2: Basically? Yeah, I mean, we spent the last uh, couple of weeks putting together some sessions for the for the teams with uh, coaches and technical leads to work with on the Phoenix side, and then D has been working with a lot of the coaches and players on the community side. We've had some feedback. Uh, the area that we used, we used a 4x4 four four grid and did a whole bunch of different uh, ball mastery, passing and receiving, uh, both on the ground and in the air. And the feedback we're getting is that a lot of, a lot of the kids don't have the same amount of area. So we're going to have to you know, change things up a little bit. We'll offer the 4x4 four four grid area for people that have that sort of area in their home. Uh, in addition to that we'll do the same exercises with uh, just a lineal approach with maybe just uh, two cones three or four yards apart uh, just to change it up for those those kids that uh, don't have that area in the house
0: yeah I mean it's 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 been a lot of fun to to put these together and uh, uh, to try and make something you know available to the players I think a lot of the the drills and in particular the way they're um and spoken about by the staff that's actually putting together the videos. There's a lot of room for um, improvisation uh, on the player's behalf and coaches' behalf.
2: So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, we've put down four four cones, for example, to um, create the area of a four by four. Uh, shoes could be used, water bottles, cups, tea bags, <laughs> whatever you want to use you bags. can you can put them down there and that could be uh, you know just like a corn yeah
0: so. yeah and i mean and that that being said i mean obviously we we're lucky enough to be in a space that's got some space but if you don't have that space i mean you can always improvise on what we're doing and, and in the size of the areas the the actual drills themselves they're they're more of a guideline for you to follow
2: yeah, I mean, we just want the kids to be active and continue to, to do something during this lockdown, right? So uh, absolutely, they can improvise and just uh, adjust things to make it happen in their house.
0: Yeah, and and, and before we get beyond and start talking about uh, the, the grassroots side of things and what Dee's doing, we, we should mention that, I don't know, I've, I've kind of lost my train of thought here, but um, it, it, this is by no means... These sessions and these videos that we're putting out are in lieu of uh, season. The season's going to continue when we can get back at it. I'll, I'll let you touch. Yeah, on
2: absolutely. That too. This is just a way for to keep the kids ticking over. Yeah, ready to to when we get going again. I mean, it looks as though it won't happen before the Christmas break, but we're confident that uh, we're hoping that uh, something will occur in, in January. We can get back and played some games in, in cohort situations so everyone right now you know just uh, stay stay fit stay active by taking advantage of these exercises and then doing additional to that and i know some of the coaches are doing additional work uh with the players yeah. on top of what has been provided by by sherwood park district soccer uh, so we just want the players to continue to to be active and get better.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, there'll be an extension of the seasons as well to to coincide with uh, with us getting back at it. Um, so on the, on the community grassroots side, I've, I've actually been here in some of the evenings <laughs> and, it, and they've been awesome, just awesome to listen to you working with the different groups, seeing the kids on the screens.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so we've been doing, you know, following along the online platform as well too um, with some <clears throat> of the, excuse me, uh, with the with the programs that we've been running so um, we taped some videos I'm on the computer I've got my two screens I've got my my phone set up and, <laughs> and uh, just looking to have some interactions with uh, the community players and you know what it, it's uh, it's been absolutely fantastic for the for the ones who joined and and I'm challenging the community program right now get online get on with uh, get on with me on on a Monday and a Tuesday and um, the emails out there Um, we're gaining some traction we have had we had some more uh, players on our on our online sessions this week than we had the week prior so uh, let's keep it going let's uh, let's get on they're fun they're interactive Um, we've got some players that share their videos so they're you're able to to learn and see off of the uh, you know fellow teammate or or uh, you know fellow opposition and um, yeah I like to have all fun you know?
0: yeah I mean and, and Sean, you, you nailed it right off the bat too in regards to just taking over and just making sure that you're you're still involved doing something. I, it's the toughest a this is the toughest time of the year to want to continue doing things. We're starting to slip into holiday mode, although that'll be drastically different than what we're used to as families and getting together.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been on a couple of these calls as well, and it's it's comedy sometimes, actually, some
0: of the <laughs> especially the really young ones.
2: Well, it's comedy watching, D, trying to to demonstrate. But on top of that, it's it's lots of fun. Uh, some of the comments that come out from the younger players, in particular, yeah. are just. Uh, it's just fantastic. You it's,
0: know? <laughs> There's nothing like the priceless uh, out of the mouths of babes type comments. It's uh, oh, yeah, it's pretty hilarious.
1: I, I just I just love the I love the interaction and, and uh, the just some just some of the the, the thought process of, of what's going on with some of the kids. Right, some of them just want to just have a chat and tell you what's going on. So it's it's good. It's cool,
2: which is good. I mean, yeah. that's what we want. We want that interaction and to keep them engaged with the game. And part of that is that social aspect.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, if you're not, it really helps because it's so tough when you're, like, as we say, we're in a bit of a lockdown here at the moment and uh, trying to, trying to get this curve happening with regards to COVID nineteen and and you're right, interaction just doesn't happen as as prevalently as it as it has in the past with the with the players and their teams and so it gives them an opportunity to see their teams and players that they play with on a on a regular basis when they're in season um over over a computer you know online
1: yeah and you know what, we've had some coaches join online as well too so some of our volunteer coaches and it's it's been awesome because they've been providing feedback they've um, been joining in on the sessions um i give them some credit it's, it's been great and you know we've had some just you know uh sitting on the chat and and provide feedback in the chat so we're trying to get coaches involved as well we're trying we want to make sure it's it is for the players and um we don't want to we know we have volunteers and we don't want to put too much burden on them because of uh, in this time, but it's open for the coaches to, to see kind of what we're, we're providing and, and to be a part of it too. So
2: it's actually good for the parents as well. I mean, yeah. I know, I know my missus, have uh, been <laughs> <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing some stuff, you know, to videotape these, these sessions. And now she wants to do a little bit of work, you know, so she's trying <laughs> to learn how to, uh, side foot volley, and she's good with her left foot, but her right foot uh, is off. Uh,
0: you know what? She's quality I, on the left side. I, I'm the one sort of standing behind the camera, of, of, d- helping out with these sessions, and 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 then out of the corner of my eye, I can see your your lady friend doing <laughs> some of the drills, and I wish we had a secondary camera on her because they're
1: priceless.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're, she's there because we're working with female players, yeah. you know, so we need a, a, a female adult there that has gone through criminal record check, etc. so she's she's come along and helped out, and f- the first session said, can I try that? And I said, are you sure? <laughs> she said, yeah, I want to try that. <laughs> okay, here you go. And I was quite surprised, like she wasn't too bad. No, and,
0: and I'm sure, I mean, you know, not not to throw her under the bus, but uh, we've kind of seen our... Her GM. I was pass gonna the say. Ball. I was <laughs> we, gonna say. We don't want to go in there. I mean, t- more power to her to get involved. She, she actually was, played, didn't she? Yeah, she, didn't she joined a
1: team in, in the outdoor season <laughs> a couple of years ago. Yeah, <laughs> didn't she almost Could score work? as well, or yeah, did she score? Yeah, you know what? I'm not sure with the facts. I'll have to get to. Yeah, you know, well. but.
2: I mean, I di- I didn't see any of the games, but I did receive a picture of her, and she was very well um, put together. I mean, everything was matching. Oh, you know, of course. Was. Yes. Immaculate as you know.
0: far as the clothing and, and attire goes.
2: And it's going to be interesting to actually change subject, but we've got a uh, Christmas event coming up, don't we?
0: Yes. Yes. And we, we have been doing this, oh, I guess the last two years and going into the third year, we have a, uh, it's been strange, though, because one year I can't even remember what the the grouping was, but we it, we have a gingerbread building contest uh, basically within the club. And one year it was tech versus admin, and um, I think, that, I think <laughs> that's the way it was it was structured. <laughs> Soon enough, it was uh, it was something else, too. It was just a, like a women versus men type thing the first oh, yeah, year. yeah, yeah, right. uh, And now we're getting into an individual thing. And by the way, we just had uh, one of our co-workers uh, put a sign on the door saying, her name is Rachel. So uh, we got in trouble for, for saying lady friend. Uh, we didn't want to sort of bring it up anyway. Uh, so now you know Sean's lady friend's name is Rachel.
2: <laughs> I was at here on a privacy policy. There. <laughs> uh, you know, you're not supposed to name anyone's name on the radio unless they give you permission, give you
0: permission. Exactly. exactly so we're gonna get slapped for that one i'm sure at some point but uh anyway back to the uh gingerbread building contest it's it's beca- it's not reached its fever pitch yet but um i'm sure well, it will. Yeah. The, no, i'm telling you now i'm, I'm telling you
1: now if my idea comes off and i don't win you're gonna I'm, be cut I'm, I'm taking two weeks <laughs> I'm taking a quarantine I'm
0: actually, th- I'm surprised Because there's going to be prizes involved Of a substantial nature Which uh, could, could you know Make things a little more competitive
2: Well, our fearless leader, I understand Has already spent $100 Wow, what? Getting extra supplies for her gingerbread house And um, I said, her, isn't there like a salary cap with this? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, really? You, there's a certain limit you can spend but she's gone way and beyond, and she's got Pep Guardiola money. money or what? I was
0: just going to say she must be on like you know fifty thousand pounds a week to be able to pull uh, yeah, that off. Hundred bucks, hundred
2: bucks for a gingerbread house. Oh my Jeez. goodness!
0: Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm I'll be lucky to. Cut open the tubes of uh, of, of spread that's going to go on to make designs. d Dub's
2: the lower league team, or? yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like an FA Cup run. I mean, you know, right? We're going to <laughs> re- be the relegation. Oh, we'll be working on
0: re- working on ten bucks to as uh, for the championship win and <laughs> the underdog
1: story. Yeah, it is always about it. I, you know, it, and it's one of those
0: things though. When it comes to building or being that creative, you have the vision in your head of what you want, oh, it, but it's getting that vision. Onto something substantial and concrete.
2: Well, especially when the, the rule is that you have to be able to eat everything that's there. You can't all of a sudden get a, a lamppost that's made out of plastic and put it on there as, as part of the gin, yeah, gingerbread house. You know so what? And it's more difficult.
0: It is way more difficult. And I, I'm at the point because there's one of the things that I want to do was just that. I'm thinking, how the heck can I do this? Um, I don't want to give it away what I'm saying. I'm, I'm sort of being uh, what
1: was it? What I'm, was it? I'm being a little cagey here but uh,
0: yeah know, there's Sean. Definitely-
1: Sean came to my desk yesterday tried to get I was tight-lipped. <laughs> I was gotten gave nothing. That's
0: and that's what it's all about. You have to be tight-lipped because I'm telling you if the other folks in the office catch wind of what you're doing. Oh there, yeah. All of a sudden it becomes oh.
2: Yeah, I mean I have never ever lost a gingerbread building gingerbread house-building contest in Sherwood Park. So, wow. (laughs) And and the
0: the reasoning is because you've never been in one of those (laughs) contests. True. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Hey,
0: listen, um, we're going to take our first break here. And when we come back, Mr. Paul Dolan, Vancouver 86ers, uh, Canadian national team, Canadian national team coach, uh, will hopefully join us and we'll have a great conversation with him a uh, little later on. We'll, we'll, we'll go back to our talking uh, European footy and uh, some of the, some of the leagues I've added the guys almost every uh, standing from every league, just so we don't offend our Italian friends who like to listen to the show. Um, and we've had a couple of people from Thailand. Uh, piping in so i guess i'm gonna have to hit some of the asian leagues too eventually um anyways we'll, we'll be right back you're listening to soccer talk in the park the official podcast of the sherwood park district soccer association this episode of soccer talk in the park is brought to you by above and beyond compression inc they have the largest inventory of natural gas parts in western canada and we're back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and to everyone around the world. Like I say, we had that one listener in Thailand last week, so hey. Man, we're getting shout, all over the place. Shout out to the worldly <laughs> group here. Um, I did, wanted to give a quick uh, a quick mention that the uh, Canadian Soccer Association has a new president. His name there, yeah. D?
1: Nick Bontis. Nick Bontis. Yeah, from, uh, from the Toronto area there. Uh, grew up in, in Toronto and, and uh, massive, massive soccer guy. Uh, played uh, played some university ball down there, and and uh, got into coaching things like that, and and uh, had a chance to listen to the the podcast that Canada Soccer has, yeah. and. Seems like he wants to collaborate with the with the provinces and, and the clubs and, you know, look to take Canada forward.
0: You know, let's hope so, and and uh, we have a gentleman on the line we'll eventually uh, introduce and, and talk. We'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll have some information about Canada. Um, thoughts on that at all, uh, Yeah, I mean, Nick's,
2: Nick's been involved with CSA for a few years now. He was on the board as a director at large and then became vice president two years ago, three years ago, I believe it was, and... Um, can certainly talk the man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, a, he's a good talker. Oh, he's just 100 miles a minute. Yeah. Uh, he's a professor at McMaster University, oh, nice. I believe. Uh, so he's well-educated. Yeah. Played the game at a decent level. Uh, did some coaching. And now he's going to give back to the to the sport that we all love. And I think he will help the association move forward.
0: Well, that'll be an interesting thing to see happen. Uh, another shout-out goes to uh, FC Edmonton. Has finally hired a new head coach. Uh, since uh, Jeff Bolles has has is, uh, is, is left the, the left the well left that position, he's still with the club, um, but the new guy's Alan Koch, um, former Simon Fraser University head coach. I worked with him there. He was part of the Vancouver Whitecaps in the uh, D2 League, I believe, when they were doing yeah. some uh, stuff in the PDL and 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 beyond, uh, as well as Cincinnati in the USL, who then became the MLS the version of Cincinnati uh yeah, I was a def- first manager for yeah, the mls first for, manager yeah. uh had a had a tough year that first year um and ended up going to uh, cincinnati no the, uh, no the other colorado Col- colorado that's yeah. right so ended up going into colorado i think it was colorado
1: yeah colorado yeah okay switchbacks
0: switchbacks there you yeah. go fantastic name switchbacks um so, yeah, we wish him all the best and uh, all the best to FC Edmonton uh, moving forward. Um, have you, have you yeah, had any deals yeah. with him. Uh, yeah, Nolan? I
2: have. I mean, he's a he's a good guy, a good yeah. coach as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. He actually uh, took over from me in the Okanagan. I was the head coach of the Okanagan Challenge. I remember Which that. played in the Pacific Coast Soccer League and the, mm-hmm. the USL PDL. And uh, he took over when I left to come to Alberta, to Calgary. Mm-hmm. And he had a good good run there with them, then moved to SFU and then... He's pro career, so yeah, definitely a good addition to the local uh, soccer scene. Uh, he'll come in. He has a thick South African accent. Yes, it's difficult to understand. Uh, actually, more difficult than a Geordie, but uh, we won't <laughs> get into that. But I, th- I, I, I think he'll come in, do do a decent job uh, with the group, and uh, get them playing a different different way of playing the game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, we're all looking forward to seeing. Yeah, that, it was interesting to hear him out. speak for sure. You know, he wants to he wants to bring uh, FC Edmonton back to winning ways. Um, you know, our team's been. Have around. they ever had winning ways? Hey, well, hey, I, hey, mean, hey. I you know, was part of that for a while. We
3: had a couple. Sorry, of, sorry, sorry, we had, had a couple of, good. Good. of
0: couple of we we okay years. A, we made I've, it to a final. Yeah, yeah. We made we it to a made final. Made it to a final.
1: Um, and yeah, looks it seems again pretty positive. But uh, he's he's got a tough job ahead of him for sure, right? He's he's got to potentially rebuild a squad and and um it's interesting to and you know even rebuild the the fan base uh, yeah. within and get support from the community out uh, here, which is going to be tough
0: it'll be something that definitely has to happen for sure um moving on to our special guest i feel terrible because he's been on the phone now just waiting for us to introduce him but uh fantastic career uh the position that is one of my favorites is goalkeeper um it's played with the Vancouver 86ers, uh, played played for the Brickman here in Edmonton uh, back in the day, uh, Hamilton Steelers for a year, uh, constant with the national team, little Tacoma Stars indoor. I mean, We'll have to talk about that one because I, I that's just a strange
2: it thing. He was a center forward in that. <laughs>
0: Don't all keepers want to be strikers? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado... Mr. Paul Dolan. Paul, how are you?
4: you said a fantastic career. I was waiting for someone else to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing really well, guys. It's a pleasure to be on. Good to speak to some old friends and meet some new ones and, and talk soccer.
0: Yeah, and, and, and we'll, we'll kick it off right away. Did you have something you wanted to say? You, I sort of cut you off there, Sean.
2: No, not at all. Oh, not at hey, all. Yeah. I, I thought Dolly was a great center forward when I saw him playing training. <laughs>
0: Oh, Paul, I I take hits all the time here in the office about goalkeeping in general. So hopefully you can help me out with this and uh, let everyone know the specialty of being a goalkeeper. So starting right from the beginning, when did you know that this position was for you?
4: Well, not probably until I was nine or 10, but I I started out, I, I guess the first thing I ever did athletically was to play street hockey like a lot of young Canadians and I took to the goal and my favorite player was a guy named Ken Dryden so that's going way back the old Montreal Canadian goalie and then we used to play soccer at recess out on the field and I really took a liking to that so that's you know five six years old and then my mom couldn't really afford to sign me up in hockey and I had a love for soccer at that time as well so she signed me up for soccer and then around, you know, three, four, five years in, I would just occasionally go in the goal, but it was at, uh, I think, around 11 years of age that I took a real shine to it. I started to sprout up vertically as well. And uh, yeah, I, I was a goalkeeper ever since.
0: Yeah, you were a tiny six foot four, weren't you? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Not at that time, but that, that's where I've ended. Although I'm probably hammering my way back down now, the other way as you get older here. <laughs> I know that was something that Tony who uh, God bless him, someone that uh, obviously we've just seen pass, who was a big mentor, a, a big friend of mine in the end, too, and, and actually lives close by to where I live right now. Um, yeah, he always had that kind of hunched-over posture, didn't he, Sean?
3: Because yeah. he was uh,
4: you know, so so entrenched in the way that he played, which was the arms down and getting into that goalkeeper stance that I, I know a lot of keepers like Pat Onstead and others that kind of have that... Smaller uh, look than when we first started, but um, from playing so many years in goal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I think for the present time, but uh, as a youngster, you know, you're, you're just kind of finding your way and doing what you enjoy, right? It's not about, oh, I think I can do well in this position. It's really just about, I love diving around and keeping the ball out of the net. And then one thing led to another.
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, you look at goalkeepers such as yourself and Craig Forrest and Tony and that, you know, big, big men when they played. And then you get small as you get older. But Tina Lettieri was never big. So no. he, <laughs> yeah. even those small, small guys here. did that. Yeah. Uh,
0: There's definitely, I mean, we, we talked a, a little bit earlier off the phone about one of the uh, backup keepers you had in the Vancouver 86ers, Paul, when, when, you, when you actually started playing professionally, uh, a young lad from Scotland, Paul Shepard. And he wasn't a big lad, but had some springs on him, much like uh, Rob Merkel was another.
4: Well, that's the other one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Robbie was only about five seven, five eight. I think Chep's was at least six feet. But yeah, true. Uh, Robbie was one of the quicker, braver, uh, smarter keepers as well. Great teammate, and we've seen that that you don't need to necessarily be six four, six five. I mean, that is kind of the trend that you're seeing worldwide right now, wherever it is internationally. But there are the Iker Casillas of the world who have also uh, gotten to the very top. So, you know, if, you, if you're talking to youngsters right now, it's not all about just having that size. You can be a, a, a goalkeeper of pretty much any stature. Sean Lather mentioned there uh, Tino Lattery, who is the other goalkeeper for Canada at the World Cup. He was only about five foot eight or 9, wasn't he, Sean? So, yeah. But very athletic, great springs, uh, good anticipation, and, and, uh, even goalkeepers that aren't necessarily the tallest can have good careers.
2: Uh, Tino did have a uh, parrot to perch him up, though.
4: Yeah, that parrot really <laughs> helped him out. Yeah, yeah. there were two, two keepers he had to be with, with the parrot goal as well.
1: Someone someone that comes to my mind is like a, a Jorge Campos from Mexico. Uh, yeah, from yeah, Mexico. Mexico.
0: Brilliant,
4: but, but yeah, he's the center forward.
1: I was just going to say, <laughs>
0: wasn't he? Wasn't he a striker for his club team? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, he would come out and play with the Galaxy every now and then as well. But yeah, that's another good example there, Dean.
0: That's unreal. Um, so uh, uh, we're just looking at this thing, and and youngest keeper in Canada to play in a World Cup. Like, how was that run for you? I mean, obviously you, you were good enough to. To, to become part of the national pool and be a national goalkeeper. Um, I, I, maybe I'm jumping the gun from your, from your youth national career to straight into the, the first team. But, uh, I, I, man, I, I, I remember watching that game, the 86 Mexico World Cup, and, and, and you playing against Platini and, and wow. France in the, in, the, in the opener. Like, you were, what, 19 at the time?
4: Well, you're right that it's not really jumping it that much from your youth to, to that age. You know, it, I didn't really have a professional team. I was drafted by the Whitecaps at 18, but they promptly folded. And basically, as Sean will know, the national team picked up at that point almost as a club team. I remember we went to uh, North Africa on a tour, we went to the Caribbean on a tour, and it was basically the players from the North American Soccer League, you know, the ones who weren't yet playing an in indoor maybe, um, that kind of became a club slash national team as we went worldwide looking for games. And then, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, a difficult World Cup qualifying process because only one team from CONCACAF was going to make it into the World Cup with only 24 teams at that time and Mexico, the host already being uh, the other CONCACAF representative. So it, it wasn't an easy run, but I think at that age, you just kind of, I don't know, I, I, even in the game itself against France, I didn't feel a lot of nerves because you don't really know what to expect. And I think there wasn't much in terms of expectations from people as uh, Canada's going to get bombed here. Bob Leonard who likes to tell the story of being in the bus on the way there and people are sticking up five, six, seven, eight fingers indicating how many goals we're going to get pumped
3: by. But um,
4: <laughs> things went well, right? I mean...
3: Oh, as yeah. the game
4: went on further and further, we, we, we stuck in it. So I really enjoyed that occasion. I have to say, there was even a moment during the game where I think we'd conceded a corner kick, and I said, let's not let it drop here, guys. I, like, I, I'm just I'm enjoying this so much. And I have to say that there weren't too many games with Canada where I felt that way. Because, Sean, you could probably attest to this too. Like, whenever you played for Canada as a goalkeeper or a defender, Sometimes you're just looking at the clock, hoping the 90 minutes was up because we were <laughs> under so much pressure all the time, you know. And, and if if a defender or a goalkeeper made a mistake for Canada, you knew we weren't going to score our way out of it. So that was that was a stress, I have to say. But um, I enjoyed that, and it was a quick rise to fame. But then
3: that
4: was the, that was a peak. It went all downhill from there. Oh come on, man! <laughs> it did not. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely, Dolly, it was great times. I mean, we we certainly had a good team with some quality players. You look at the players that were playing. You know, like Bruce Wilson, to me, probably one of Canada's best ever players, could certainly have played in, in the Premiership, uh, yeah. the English First Division at the time. I mean, it was just different class, you know, and we had several players like that. And I, same as you, I, I used to love the games, even playing in Guatemala in a World Cup yeah. qualifier with like Thirty thousand at the game, and there's a moat and a fence, and then soldiers <laughs> right. with machine guns pointing at pointing at the crowd, and the crowd wanted wanted to kill us, you know. But it, it was fun, yeah. it was enjoyable, and uh, I, I definitely got it for those types of games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know,
4: uh, unless you experience it, you know, so often. You'll hear people criticize it. Uh, how did Canada not get a result against a team like in El Salvador or a Honduras, who have you know such a small per capita population versus Canada? Until you actually visit those places and see, well, you experience that you know overwhelming heat of a midday sun when they make you kick off, and everything that you just said there—fans right on top of you, jeering, throwing things at you—the armed soldiers just. It's just, uh, it, it's indescribable unless you're there. Sitting on your couch in the air-conditioned room versus actually being out on the park there, you, you just can't even, you can't, you can't relate it to anyone unless they're actually in that uh, scenario. But the opportunity for us to have uh, experience that is something that I'll never forget.
2: Yeah, what, what was amazing as well, would go down there and they would treat us like crap. Yeah like literally. I've heard those stories. Terrible. Yeah. They'd make sure that we, we lost our way to the stadium. It was only hundred yards away, but it, it took <laughs> 30 minutes to get there. And there was yeah. nothing put on for you. The bus wouldn't show up on time, all sorts of stuff like that. Then they come to Canada. Yeah, being, and then yeah. they, they come to Canada and we, we have banquets for them. with civic reception. It was unbelievable. Like the way we used to treat them.
4: Yeah. It was, uh, a scenario where you're right, like Les Wilson, he'd be pulling his hair out because he was so well organized. Our, our manager, um, the actual general manager of the club, of the team, I guess. Uh, and then he would be doing everything ahead of time to make sure that everything, all the, uh, uh, you know, I's and T's were crossed and dotted. But then they would just do, you know, you've heard the expression getting CONCACAF, and that's exactly what it does. They'd keep you up late at night, pull fire alarms. Stuff outside. I mean, even recently when we went down with Stephen Hart's team to Panama, they had motorcycles revving all <laughs> night long before the World Cup qualifier. Wow. Fireworks going off. It's not just uh, rumor. It's not just uh, old wives' tales that you're hearing. These things actually happen. But in a sense, it galvanizes teams, I think, that go down there and, and draws you together. And then when you can overcome that challenge, I think it's even more rewarding
0: yeah that's great you know i I, just to to be one of the lucky few who gets to experience uh you know being part of a national team pool being part of a national team that travels and plays in these events and these games um just fantastic mate moving on to your your pro career is where i first met you um i had a friend of mine uh you mentioned him earlier, Pat Onstead, goalkeeper he was with at the time. I think UBC, when I first met him, um, had had a stint in the CSL for a little bit and then decided to go to school before uh, getting back to a pro career. But uh, I remember running into our, our guest from our last episode, Carl Valentine, and he asked me, he says, oh, you, you coach goalkeepers. Well, why don't you come out and work with our guys? So uh, when I I showed up. And and there it was. It was you and and Paul Shepard, and I think I threw the kitchen sink at you because I was just. It was like my first days of coaching. So, I, I think it was- well, it was
4: awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I don't want to say that uh, we didn't have any goalkeeper uh, coaching before that. But it was limited. And back then, I mean, essentially with the national team, the goalkeeper coach was a fellow called Kevin Muldoon. Oh, Kevin. Who was a uh, liver puddle who uh, was just a, a terrific guy. And he, he ended up being our kit man for Canada slash goalkeeper coach. And, you know, you can, you can chuckle at that a little bit because it, it, you just couldn't imagine that right now where there's everything is so specialized, goalkeeper coaching in particular, so specialized. But some clubs even have a goalkeeper coach and a secondary one, whether it's for the youth team or whatever. But um, in those days, it was just Kevin Muldoon doing his regular job. And then in training, he would whack balls at us, service and whatever else. And he had the best service in Canada. I was going to say. He He had a super dodgy ankle. He'd broken his (laughs) (laughs) ankle. And. You put a spin on the ball that would be like a top spin that would find the top corner and had you stretch in the full stretch. But then to come to the Whitecaps, or the time, the 86ers, and not really have anyone that looked after the keepers, it was kind of Rob Berkel and, and myself in the early days on our own or, or with Sven Haberman. But when you came, it was excellent for for both of us, Sheps and I, because it, it meant that we weren't just thrown off to our own devices and we had someone who's you know, looking after our concerns and we could work with you. And whether you threw the kitchen sink at us or not, <laughs> I feel like I wanted to to do whatever you thought was best. And then if there were things that I felt we could modify, you were very open to, you know, modifying what we're going to do in the training session as you prepare for a game. I mean, at the end of the day, as you know, because I did some of it as well with the national team afterwards, the goalkeeper coach, it's all about getting the keeper as prepared as possible for game day. For so, sure. you know, there's different, different rituals that the, the keepers themselves like to do and at times you need to to add that up and at times you need to just let the keeper kind of be on his own and and kind of run his own course but uh, you were excellent with us and i really appreciate that there
0: wow cheers mate that's uh that's, that's some nice uh, some nice thoughts and sentiments. I appreciate it.
2: <laughs> Is that the first compliment you've ever had?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, most of them are from, you know, 12-year-old parents or, you know, parents of 12-year-olds. But uh, no, from, from the pros, it's uh, you work with people and it's like anything else. You, you, you're not looking for accolades. You're just looking to support and help uh, athletes the best you can. And, and it, as Paul just said, you try and prepare them for the next game. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I, I go back in my career and I look at the coaches I had and I was very appreciative of what, what they did for me. So I uh, de- definitely understand that. The thing about Kevin Muldoon, uh, Dolly is you didn't have to shower after after training, did you? Because he, <laughs> he spat so much at you, you were soaking wet. <laughs>
4: well, he was sweating too because <laughs> as, as much as he had the gimpy ankles, he was he tried to keep as fit as he possibly could. He'd Absolutely. play squash. He'd go running. It was incredible. Him and the Tony Waiters, too, would go for runs. Even up to, like, 75 years of age, I'd see Tony Waiters around the neighborhood here. You know that uh, that jogging style of his yeah, where with the his head, went head went kind, head kind of nutting. side and side, Sean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, full credit to these guys they kept themselves in good neck
0: <laughs> wow well listen we're going to take a, take a break here and we'll come back with Paul talk a little bit more about his uh, his career and his coaching days his thoughts on uh, the, the future of, uh, of football here in Canada and uh, maybe we'll even get him to, to chat a little bit about the European leagues you're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association we'll be right back This episode of Soccer Talk in the Park is brought to you by Above and Beyond Compression, Inc. They have the largest inventory of natural gas parts in Western Canada. And we're back. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Soccer. I love that American version. Sacker, shot, (laughs) score, back of the net. Peel. Um, Yeah, peel. (laughs) That's a whole other story. Um, We have Paul Dolan on the line, uh, Vancouver 86ers, uh, pro player, um, national team uh, goalkeeper, youngest goalkeeper to play in a a World Cup. I think uh, Canada's, you know, only World Cup visit. I think we did it back in the 1990s on the men's side. Yeah, the, the women have been there a bunch. But the uh, back in '86 in Mexico, Paul was the the starting keeper there. You, how many games did you play in that World Cup?
4: Three or two? Just the first one, yeah, just the first one against France, and then Tino played the other two. And what Tony said to me, and I again, I, I was I was happy just to get in there. But yeah. he said that um, you know you had done well in the previous games leading up to that. Tino was still playing indoor soccer right up till the end. In fact, there. Their major indoor soccer league final went seven games, and the longer it went, the less outdoor preparation time he had. Oh, for sure. So uh, that gave me the opportunity to play. And then after the first game, he said, you know, Tino's ready to go now. And I, I totally understood. I was, I was just pleased and thrilled to have had the opportunity. But, um, yeah, it was it was June 3rd, 1986. Uh, that we played against France. And, you know, Bobby always tells that story about, and uh, Bruce does it now, now that I think of it as well, where we're standing side by side in this tiny tunnel in Leon, Mexico, where the game was. And, you know, nowadays, of course, all the stadiums would be completely refurbished and beautified. But back then, it was basically the same Mexican stadium that had been played in since the 1970 World Cup and before that, because wow. there, there were games that were held in Leon in 1970. Uh, and it was the same kind of broken down stadium. So you're, you're right up next to these players and having seen them at Euro 84 where they won the tournament. uh, Of course, you knew about the Michelle Platinis of the world and the Tiganas and Fernandez and all the rest of them. Uh, but it was, it was a thrill. And like I said before, I wasn't all that nervous. Although when you go out for the warm up, it's a four o'clock kickoff and it's so hot there. And the one thing that I think affected our play a little bit was, how the ball travels in the air. But Tony Waiters had taken us to Breckenridge, Colorado uh, to do some altitude training there in Colorado Springs. So you really get um, acclimatized to the altitude, but the flight of the ball is still a little different. You see that even when uh, we're calling games now in MLS for the Whitecaps when they're at Salt Lake or Denver. Mm -hmm. And there is a, a difference in the way the ball flies. But uh, it, it was a great experience and, and something, as I said before, I'll never forget.
0: Yeah. So shifting, shifting to your your pro career, Vancouver 86 Sixers. You actually played for the Brickman here in Edmonton, didn't
3: you?
4: I did. Yeah, I had a great time. You know, we had we had eight guys living in a house, and it was <laughs> Ross Ungaro's house. And everyone knows Ross Ungaro in Edmonton and his uh, son East or his uh, nephew Easton. Right, yeah, it was with, yeah. was with yeah. FC Edmonton. I'm not sure what's going to happen there now, but and uh, obviously Ross Giroux had a terrific career there as a player and then later as a manager too. But he was the landlord, and we had several players from British Columbia there. We had the German coach Dieter Hockheimer there. Tony Pesnecker, a Calgary <laughs> player. I don't know if anyone remembers, but yeah, it was something else. We were in all corners of the basement trying to. Eco to a living, but really enjoyed my time at Edmonton.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then from there, you uh, move on to the Tacoma Stars, playing an indoor season, I take it. And uh, and then on to the Vancouver 86ers for outdoor.
4: Yeah, Tony Waders had actually, right after the World Cup, taken me to Sheffield Wednesday. And, you know, he said there was a couple of clubs in England that were interested, but he had a very good relationship with Howard Wilkinson, who was the manager at uh, Sheffield Wednesday so you know it's funny that having thought about Tony over the last little while when he passed away a couple of weeks ago and some of the stories and and my time with him he basically was my rep or my agent I mean we didn't really have agents back then but Mm -hmm. you know we bunked up together in in a hotel room in Sheffield as we were working through the deal and everything and I signed a five-year contract with him. Really, just kind of letting him take the reins. I didn't know what I was doing, and uh, they gambled on me. I guess having seen me at the World Cup and taking Tony's word, and it was all pending a work permit getting approved, which they thought, okay, that won't be an issue. But it was a lot stricter back then in terms of being able to get a work permit if you had zero European background, and I didn't. You know, I'm. Yeah. I'm from. Canada. I was born in Canada. My parents were born in Canada. I didn't have any European heritage. So, the ironically, the person who made the decision to not grant me a work permit and then basically null and void that contract oh. was a guy called Gordon Taylor, who's just just <laughs> stepping down you now. Are he's me. Yeah, he's been around a million years. In fact, he was a white cap at one point in yeah. 1977, 78, I think it was. And so it, it, what I say is ironic. is like, okay, as a season ticket holder, I paid for him to play in Vancouver. you know, <laughs> uh, And I go to England and he goes, no, our mandate is to promote uh, British players. And in fairness, I would say that, you know, the young British goalkeeper they had there was a guy called Kevin Prestman. He didn't play, I don't think ever at senior level, maybe once or twice, but he was a, a good goalkeeper with Sheffield Wednesday and, and, I guess the point of protecting British players at that time is that they give them the opportunity in their home country. And so, unfortunately, at that point, he he tried to find a way to get me a work permit and took me down to Knott's County, which was a third division team at that time. And I did sign a deal there, but it kind of went pear-shaped. And when you're young, you don't really think long-term. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Tony Chursky called me. He was the old... Old, old, old white cap goalie.
3: I remember sure. Uh, and
4: Canadian national team goalie. Yeah, uh, he he was the goalie coach at Tacoma Stars. Said, "Well, why don't you come over here?" And if you look at it from a career perspective, <laughs> you're leaving England and what was a Premier League or First Division team at Sheffield Wednesday at the time to go play indoor soccer. I mean, what are you doing? But <laughs> I was homesick. Uh, the allure coming back close to home, and then the 86ers started up right after that. So it. I can't, I, I have no regrets. You know, I met my wife shortly thereafter, played with the national team for 10 more years, and, um, and lived in the best city in the world right now. So I'm, I'm happy with that. And, uh, we had some great, great teams with the 86ers as Sean knows all too well. The championships there, the camaraderie, the fellas that you meet. Um, it was just, it, you, you look back, it might have been, the best time of my life in terms of soccer, you know, the, the winning and the, the fun that we had with the, the players there. Uh, again, no regrets. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously I was involved with the 86ers as well. I went then in 87 the first year, I played that season and the 88 season when we won, won for the first time and, I mean, the team that was put together was phenomenal. I mean, it was basically Canada's World Cup team that was a good team as well and we, yeah. Played games, we'd we'd go down one nil, go down two nil, go down three nil, and we said, "Oh, that's not a problem." And we come back and win it four three. I mean, yeah. that's just sure. the way the way we played. You know, what I mean, we we're attacking minded, uh, attacking minded team. We had one import, Ivor Evans was the only import. The rest were Can- Canadians.
0: Ivor Evans, there's a scary. name uh, uh, But from seriously, like uh,
2: it was the Canadian World Cup team. Um, yeah. It was crazy how, how good we were, and um, it was enjoyable, and it's always good good to win, but uh, we played some quality, quality stuff.
0: I used to love going to see yeah. the games. I, I used to love watching those games myself, and and I, I didn't, we, we, the 86ers held the record for the most wins in a professional sports league, did they not, for the longest period of time? Most wins yeah, in a row? I
4: think it was 46 games without a loss in it. It ended up being the North American record of all pro leagues in North America. Yeah, I don't think that's been beaten. Yeah,
0: that's what a great thing to have yeah, as, a, it, as a moniker to be part of that.
2: Yeah, exactly right. I mean, it spanned the '88 and '89 season. I was there up until '88, then went to Winnipeg after that. But uh, you know, we won all those games. I think we got in the BC Hall of Fame and the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame based upon that.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Um, got, a, got a question. Was the name derived from from you guys being a part of the 86 World Cup there? Or
4: I, I how, think that was, a, yeah, that was part of it, D, but also um, that's Vancouver's centennial year. Uh, so it was um, 1886 that the city was incorporated, and then it was 1986 that Canada went to the World Cup. It was 1986 that uh, Vancouver had Expo as okay. well and then technically it would have been the year that the club was founded, although it uh, didn't start until 1987. Right. So that that was my understanding. Really?
1: Right. Oh, pretty cool. 86ers,
0: yeah, yeah that's, that is That yeah. is really cool, uh, cool. Um. So, you know, going from that pro thing, I was really hopeful, because I know towards the end of the Vancouver 86ers, they started to make this switcher, had made the decision, had gotten a deal to re- uh, reinstate the Whitecaps name. Um, I knew there was a lawyer or something who had been involved with the Whitecaps at one point. It was John Laxton. That's right. Right. And he eventually decided to um, relinquish the name and allow the club to use it again. And I remember having this discussion with you, Paul, about you staying at least one more year to to be part of that so you could be a Whitecap whitecap uh, as opposed to just an 86 year I I'm still, I'm I'm a little lost in thinking as to why. I think you were just, it was just time for you to move on or you had decided you wanted to move on.
4: You know, one of the things that happened was um, we had twins. (laughs) And combined with my work uh, with Umbro and everything else, I just felt, even though it's relatively young, especially for a keeper at 33, I decided that, you know, I wasn't going to play any longer. But I guess I was lucky in one sense The next year, when Dieter Sandu became the goalkeeper um, after I retired, there was an injury. I can't, you know what? My memory's terrible. I need to phone up Dougie Muirhead because he (laughs) tells me all sorts of stories that I never remember (laughs) until he tells them again. But uh, I don't even know if he was part of that team still at that time. I don't think so. But anyway, I did pull back and back up Dieter one game or two games. Uh, And so I had the opportunity to wear the, the white cap logo. Again, I guess right. I, yeah yeah so that was kind of fun and, and then of course shortly thereafter I did the the radio broadcast for the team as soon as the team radio station was established and so I was able to kind of keep my you know keep close to it there and I also I, I did one short spell with uh, Bob over my favorite the the coach the American coach uh, who was from Hershey and oh, Bob. Uh, how oh. can I know
0: I'm a, I, I, I know the guy I can picture him he's got glasses and
4: <laughs> yeah that's it Lily Bob Lilly Bob Lily. there it, you yeah. go there you go
0: he was a bit crazy <laughs> I that I guy forgot
4: the name. yeah so I did the goalkeeper coaching for him for a year it was funny we, I was doing the goalkeeper coaching and then one of the games I was working for Fox Soccer Channel and it was the uh, the broadcast was the Whitecaps. Portland and I said to Bob I "I don't want to give up the broadcasting thing because that's something I want to kind of do long term and I believe working with Bob was just kind of a one-year thing so I was actually doing the broadcast of a white cap game in Portland and I noticed a couple things with the goalkeeper where he was off his line or or not coming for corners or something like that so I'm I'm like texting Nathan Vanstone some goalkeeper tips during the broadcast as I'm watching what's happening there. But <laughs> the, the
2: eye in the like, sky. Uh, I love it. Was yeah, that, exactly. Was that against the code of conduct? <laughs>
4: yeah, it could be. It could be considered not right, not proper, but. That's North American soccer for you, especially Na- in the in the old days. Nathan,
0: Nathan was another great guy. Nathan was the media guy. Nathan Van Stone was the media guy for the Whitecaps at the time, and uh, fantastic guy. I, I, is he still there? He might even still oh, yeah.
4: be there. No, yeah. yeah, he's still there, and we deal with him on a day-to-day basis now that I'm doing the, the TSN broadcast, and, and he coordinates all of the day-of-game manager meetings that we get with Mark DeSantos and some of the players. So. He's still doing a great job for them. That's
0: awesome. And you talked about the broadcasting. You went to BCIT, did you not? Which is the British Columbia Institute of Technology for broadcasting.
4: Yeah. Cause I had a spell the Hamilton Steelers after I started with the 86, ers that same season um, that John's talking about where they started that 46 game run. I went to Hamilton and spent two years there. We got to the final both years and played against the 86ers actually. And, and Vancouver won both of those. But I enjoyed my time there too. And, and, you know, we were with there with former World Cup players like Colin Miller and Paul James and lots of other names you might, you might remember if you're going way back to the CSL days. But, um, you know, from there, as soon as I came back from Hamilton, I said, you know, I, I really want to kind of pursue this broadcasting thing. So while I was playing with the 86ers, I was going to BCIT. And in fact I did for CKNW radio, which is the, a big radio station in Vancouver, I did a, an 86-er minute. And I would used to come to training, do my training, and then even before I had the shower, I'd bring out the microphone and do my interview <laughs> with Bobby and ask him what he thought of the upcoming game against the Nova Scotia Clippers. And, <laughs> and there was a game in Nova Scotia, just thinking of that one off the top of my head, where we drew nil nil at the end of the, the first game against an expansion team we should have thumped. And I had the microphone out then, and was talking to Bobby, and he was our coach at the time. And he was none too pleased, and even said, "And including you, some of your distribution." <laughs> so that was kind of that was a laugh. But That's yeah, I stuck with that. I, I mean, as you know, Darren, it's uh, very few and far between those who can get to the highest levels of broadcasting. So I just For got sure. myself lucky that I'm able to to every now and then on a weekend, talk about the Whitecaps on TSN. You know, they've had a tough couple of last seasons, but um, hopefully that, that club can turn things around to the heyday of where they were back in the North American Soccer League.
2: Um, just to change subject slightly, if you don't mind, Darren. Yeah, uh, go ahead. You know, luckily I've been very fortunate to listen to uh, John Herdman speak on several occasions and now Paul's a goalkeeper coach with the national team. Uh, Dolly, what's your thoughts on John Herdman?
4: I always say the same thing when I talk about John Herdman, is that he leaves no stone unturned. I've never seen a more thorough coach in my entire life. Someone who goes to the degree where everybody knows their role so clear. I mean, the word is clarity, right? Like you, You know exactly what's expected of you. The first time that I was able to work with him was with the youth team that went to Marseille for the Toulon tournament in France uh, a couple of summers ago or three summers ago. It's who knows. I can't keep track of time. But <laughs> I remember the tournament going on, but you, you remember the tournament, yeah. and we had a good group there, and I think kind of overachieved. I think in large part because of how well the group was coached, and you know I give full credit to John for that again with his assistant Andrew Olivier at the time. And I helped with the goalkeepers. But, you know, he didn't just have us go to the side and knock balls at the keepers to warm up. I mean, he really had us entrenched with every decision that was being made. And as I say, every I and T dotted and crossed to make sure that the players were fully prepared for every match. And that's what he's done with the women's team. You've seen the results there. That's what he's doing with the men's team. And given time, I'm sure Canada's going to qualify I think maybe for 2022, obviously we get the 2026 spot, but it's, it's unknown what's going to happen based on the whole qualifying procedure here. But yeah. he has a great group and has worked so well and I have nothing but good things to say about him.
2: He actually reminds me of Tony in some ways because Tony was the same. You know, I mean, Tony was well-organized. He made sure everything was in place. It, yeah. it Different. I mean, he's at a different level to Tony in regards to technology, etc. And, and the way the game is right, right now. But Very, very similar mindset about making sure that the players have everything they need to have success.
4: That's it. And to the degree that um, every facet of the game is looked at as well, you know, the mental side, the tactical side, the technical side, Uh, it's just there's nothing that he hasn't thought of already. and he's very good about taking... Uh, you know, learning bits from different sports too. Like he leans heavily on what he saw as the New Zealand women's coach from the New Zealand, all Blacks men's rugby team mm-hmm. and some of their best practices. And he has spent time with Pete Carroll at the Seattle Seahawks and uh, with, the, with the Canucks here as well. You know, he goes to different places to get different angles on how he can implement that with this group of Canadian men's soccer players. And, um, I think, you know, you've got your natural talent base. It's very difficult when you only have a short period of time to do what he does, but he makes use of every single minute when the group finally gets together.
0: Now, how do you think that translates, or do you think that type of an attitude could translate to the youth game as far as club teams across the country? Club club, and Because every coach is a little bit different. You see different coaches that – you know, they'll have that a similar kind of style maybe not quite as thorough but uh, I mean because you're with these athletes for greater periods of time at the club level um, do you think that type of an attitude would work well at, at the club levels
4: yeah I mean you bring up a good point too and I think one thing I do like about John as well is that he admires not only I mentioned the, the ways he implemented different things for different sports but for different coaches too and so for instance, You know, when he was playing against New Zealand, funny enough, in Spain with Canada, and that's how things work with Canada, that we play these international friendlies and neutral uh, sites all the time. But that very first game, he invited Colin Miller, and he had everything uh, John did on PowerPoint and presentations and all the rest of it. And Colin came up as his assistant in that camp and just kind of spoke from the heart and from, you know, the paper in front of him. But John encouraged that. He says, you know, you, you're not going to be the guy who comes up with an iPad and Star Wars music and all the rest of it. You, you, <laughs> all you the know, <laughs> That's exactly right. You stick to what you're knitting. You know, you stick to what you're good at. And he appreciates that about everyone that he brings in is that there are different points of view. It's not groupthink. It's not just about his way or the highway. And so, you know, how that translates to youth coaches, I think everyone's got their own style. And I think the the way that every coach and every person in the world can improve in whatever they're doing is to educate themselves and take on board things that they think they can use and filter that to their own approach, right? It's not all about everybody being Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola. It's about you being the best you can be by taking on things that you're learning from elsewhere, I, I think, anyway
0: yeah that's yeah, I, it it's, go ahead yeah, you know what
1: i i i uh i can echo what you're you're saying about uh you know about john i don't know john on, on a personal level or not but um you know following him through the the women's program now into the weapon into, into the men's program and seeing how transparent he was with uh coach education and, and putting on those webinars you know in the earlier part of the year yeah um, that's right was you know was incredible you know incredible for for a young inspiring you know coach like me and and um, you know, moving forward to just see like where our, where our men's program is, um, how they're developing their style of play, how they how they're how how, how they're looking at all you know four pillars, and and it, it was it was quite motivating to be fair.
4: Oh, that's excellent because that's another thing too is that it's one thing to have the football knowledge, but it's another and uh, how you impart it right and how you deliver. What you're trying to drive to the players. And his man management, his communication skills, I think, are excellent as well. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, you talk about some of the coaches that I was um, lucky enough to play for. And Tony's right at the top of that list. But so is Bob Leonarduzzi. I mean, his man management, that 86er team had the talent, like Sean mentioned, had the skill but it still needed guidance and it needed picking which players were going to play. And, and, you know, talking to the great players in that team who weren't in the starting 11, that's a difficult challenge. And I think Bobby was good with the Canadian national team when he was national team coach in that regard too. So a lot of it is not just about the technical and the tactical side, but it's also about how the message is delivered.
3: Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Um, you know what? We're, we're at a, we're, we're at the hour point here in the show and. I'd love to continue on and go longer, Paul. We're going to have to have you on again, Uh, I, I think. Yeah. just, oh, to,
4: too, yeah.
0: just to, yeah. Just
4: people just, are nodding off right about now. <laughs> hearing my life story. But that's all right. I'd, I'd be happy to come and reiterate everything. All over. <laughs> no, so no uh, more. We, we've we've out.
2: I, I think actually, Dolly, I fell asleep after five minutes. Uh, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> thinking
0: more of the coaching
2: the coaching perspective.
0: You're 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 well spoken. Obviously, your broadcasting uh, schooling has has come a long way and uh, helping you out. So. um, I, I love the fact that you're uh you've been around and you've got a lot of uh a lot of interesting things to, to, to let the, the people out there know about. So um that being said, from from Sean from from Dee and myself, thanks very much, Paul, for, for being part of this and uh and and yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll try and get this happening again at some point.
4: No, happy to guys. It was great to join and good to, to hear your voices and speak to you. Again, especially uh, at this time when you know you need some social contact, so great to catch up. Happy to do it anytime. Good luck with what's happening at Sherwood Park, and, and we'll keep in touch.
2: Thanks, Dolly. Appreciate Thanks, it. And, uh, nice to meet you. And on that note, All folks,
0: right, take care, Paul. And uh, yeah, you've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll uh, we'll be back to talk to you for just before Christmas. We'll have we'll have another show. So we'll talk to you then. See ya. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the
3: Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association.